Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS sports podcast. I am Mike Casazzo welcoming you back in for a long overdue, extremely crowded mailbag edition questions from subscribers answers from me and the recovering chris anderson yep i may sound worse than i did last week but i feel better than i did last week because boy that flu it, it kicked me in the butt tell you what had me down for a couple days have i ever told you about my immune system that's your frail and weak Yes. No, no, oh. opposite. no, no, no. Like, like Fort Knox came and studied me when I was a kid. Oh, just how did this happen? Because I never got sick. I don't know what it was. Like, I just, um, let me knock on all the wood. I can here. Good. I never get the flu or the sniffles or anything like that. It's crazy. Um, I remember I had the flu once and it knocked me down for like 24 hours, but many, many years ago. I don't know what it is. I just, for some reason, people around me, uh, what's that, that respiratory virus going around? Mm hmm. I work at, I mean, I'm at the gym a lot. I'm in arenas a lot. I used to travel a bunch, like, but never, ever caught it. I don't know how it happened. It's crazy. But like I power through these months and I always feel bad for people who get sick, like no FOMO there, but I wouldn't mind just like a couple days in bed and like tea and movies and things like that, but no rest for the weary. seems like an unfair trade. Anyhow, we have, um, a five pound bag of flour and like 15 bags or pounds of flour, Chris. There's a lot to get into here. Um, I'm not sure how many questions we have in our comments thread. We usually have a lot of questions, right? But yeah. this time, um, angst, frustration, fear, loathing. I don't know. It's like a half and half mix of just frustrations and expressions of dismay and then questions. Um, how would you describe the contents of the uh, the cues in the Q and A? Would you like to hear the first five? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe should should we forget? Just forget recruiting wide receivers. Would Brown have played Tom Brady or benched him? Winter open tryouts. I could put my gloves on and drop passes too. What is the best way to get through next season? Typical alcoholic stupor or perhaps prescription antidepressants? And why should we care anymore? If you're if you're looking for a temperature check on the fan base right now, there you go. So I had to do the five minute rapid reaction to the Caden Prather news yesterday, <laughs> and like I got into it and like kind of cracked myself up over the Ken Niamatololo joke, and I'm just talking like ha 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 Navy coach, you don't have receivers, run the option, and it turned out like 
50 people have made the same joke online, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's where we are right now. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of the phrase, but like, you know, if, if not for, uh, if not for, yeah, I forget the phrase. Um, if people couldn't feel down, they wouldn't get up. One of those things right now. It, it seems like it's a moment of uh, inflection for the program and for people who are around it. And could be a lot better than it is right now. And at least there's basketball to keep people happy, which I'm not sure people saw that coming. So imagine if this wasn't an eight and two basketball team that's knocking on the top 25's door. Eight in the net, Chris, 23 in Kempom. I think we're going to get one or two questions about basketball. My point being, there's some optimism out there, and there are also surprises that you might not see coming. It could be down about football right now, too, for a lot of reasons. But maybe the answer to that knock at the door and something surprising is on the other side. We'll see. I don't want to delay anymore. We've waited way too long to do one of these. Do we just get right into the questions now? I think we should. As we'll discuss, we got a lot of questions in here. Once we got past... Once you filtered through some of the self-loathing, um, we had some questions in here and some really good questions in here um, that to the point that we're going to have a couple other breakout podcasts focusing solely on, say, one question. So um, we're going to cover a few here. There will be other podcasts that are coming that will cover individual other questions and I will have my question. I will answer other questions in my written mailbag this week as well. So at some point, your question will be covered. Do not worry. Abraham Lincoln. I laugh because I must not cry. There you go. Ah, got it. There you go. All right. Fire away, Chris. Question one. Well, let's uh, let's uh, start with a, a one that I actually agree with and and you and i talked about a little bit beforehand this one's from ce5588 why do players keep posting cryptic messages and it, it i don't know if we have the answer to that but it's something that we can discuss because we have an interesting perspective on this but to let everybody know what he's asking about um shortly after the caden prather news came out i saw a couple former players was it was jeffrey pooler and tj simmons was it tj simmons yeah you know, make a comment of we did this a couple of years ago and everybody thought we were crazy or something to that effect. And, um, you know, uh, was it the running back that, that left a couple of years, ended up at Middle Tennessee State from Michigan? Martel, uh, Martel Petaway made a similar comment and, and, and stuff like that. And, and fans are asking, why? Why are they making these comments? Like, are they upset? Mike, what's been our angle on this? Or not our angle, but our perspective on this and their comments. Um, I would say that what TJ Simmons said was maybe one of the more pointed things so far. I know we talked about this accumulation of these cryptic messages, but he says West Virginia is really sacrificing the whole team for one man. Ugh. Like who's he talking about there? Right. I don't think it's Shane Lyons. Right. So <laughs> the, the common denominator here, and that's, that's a phrase that, that might become Neil Brown's new nickname just because he's been around for a lot of these problems here. So you get a lot of these things where players do talk amongst themselves. And I sometimes think that players forget they're in a locker room where no one is around them because when you're in a locker room, like things never, ever get out, but it's, it's your own language and your own brotherhood and the behavior is just different. But I sometimes wonder if they think that they're still in the locker room when they're talking to each other on social media, because it does get out and people do 
observe and, and hear these or watch these interactions occur. And they want to know what's going on because they're actually observing and watching them occur. And then all of a sudden players will say something to another player in response or as a prompt. And then people will naturally jump into the comments, which I also don't think is a coincidence because players like to have attention. So that could be somebody who's being recruited. That could be somebody who's thinking about transferring. It's the eyeballs emoji. It's one of those um, stylized responses to something that happens in their lives. You'll see the uh, the monocle emoji, right? And that's another good one. But it's the move everybody has. So they all see it and they all do it. The frustration here is that you like to have some context or some depth to this, especially at a time like now where you think the players with insight could contribute something to the conversation. Instead, they don't. And for you and me to kind of keep it in, in the same vein, we have access to people who could make contributions to the conversation and choose not to. We have talked to a lot, a lot of players who've left, either graduated or transferred. And I would say this, um, do you remember that story we wrote where the player trashed the program on the way out? And people are like, no, I must have missed that. And I go, no, you didn't. We didn't write it. Not because, yeah. not because of morals, right? Just because no one's ever really gone down that road with this. We've had conversations with some people who do not want to go on the record. And for me, this will be different with some people for sure. But if someone is going to tell you a whole lot of salacious details about what they experienced, I'd really like to have a name on it. Because it could be an individualized thing. It could be just a, the, the relationship between a player and a coach. It might not be systemic. It might not be the coach. It might just be one player. You could pin a lot of that stuff. I can tell you some stories for sure. But I'm not sure how emblematic that is the entire situation. But when it's in public like this and players are talking and going back and forth and they're recognizable and they're doing this for what? Satisfaction of some sort to see a conclusion that they think should have happened a couple of years ago you really wish they would give you more and oftentimes they don't. Yeah. There's a couple players. There are a couple players uh, who, and not the two that we're talking about here, not Pooler or I mean, actually Pooler too, because I talked to Pooler when yep. he left, because it was a surprising move when he left because he had just previously, he was one of those who said he was coming back, made an announcement that he was coming back. And then ended up leaving a few, you know, after the spring, right? To go to Northwestern. Right. And we call that the Josh Chandler Samito. That's unfair. It's not. Yeah. He he was, this was, we're not giving credit where it's due. It was the the original pooler. And the OP. At the, at the time, I reached out and I was like, hey, you know, and it was, no, no hard feelings, which was understandable. I mean, and I don't think there should have been any hard feelings from fans for pooler either. I mean, the man... Man gave what four years, four full years, five years. I can't remember if that included the COVID year or whatever. Um, red shirt year, I mean. Um, and he got his uh he gave a full four years, he got his degree, and he moved back, he moved to Chicago, got a master's degree from Northwestern. Like, who's upset about that? I don't think anybody is. I think that was a great move for both parties. And but I don't recall him ever saying anything bad on his way out the door. It was just, hey, no, I'm just having an opportunity to get a great education, get a, 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 a new opportunity and a master's degree. And that was the end of the story. And there's others that, that I've reached out to and been like, hey, you know, there's something going on. You know, you're the X number of player to leave. Is there anything that you know, we need to know that the fans need to know that the story needs to be out there? No, it's no big deal. I just. I just need to go find something new. I need to do something for me. I need to do this. And 
there has yet to be somebody who's been like, no, 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 there's, there's more to the story. You need to hear it. Here it is. I've yet to run into one. And, and, and like you said, we have talked to a lot. I mean, like there have obviously been a lot of players entering the portal over the last couple of years. And we have reached out to, if not all of them, most of them. And those that have responded have said, no, it's no big deal. No, just moving on. And that yeah. was that. And the one, the one common thing I get a bunch is that it's, it's a coach or a number of coaches. And I just, that's not unusual. It's just not like that's and that's not a gripe too. Uh, I also don't blame players for not wanting to poison the water. I, I can tell you that there right. was there was one player a couple of years ago who transferred and was pretty sure that the coaching staff was was trying to um, stigmatize him. How about that? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the right word, but did not want to talk and said, "I have text or I've heard about this, and I just I want to make sure I get to where I, I want to go." And did person did and. When I reach back, did not want to follow up on it, and it, right. and that's why it goes it, it goes both ways because you heard Neil Brown say, was it last month? You know, hey, he tries to protect guys or tries not to talk about players leaving. I mean, we we've discussed the St. McLeod situation was not just the cut and dry. He's transferring. There were other players who were not just cut and dry. They're transferring, but you didn't hear the coaching staff go, you know, yeah, I that guy's not transferring. He's, you know, academically ineligible or he got arrested and has to go find somewhere else to play. You're not seeing the coaches do that. The coaches don't want to bad mouth the kids. The kids don't want to bad mouth the coaches usually both ways. So again, it's not too surprising that no one wants to say anything. If you only had some medium, perhaps a social media, a micro blogging site where you could actually air out your grievances in detail. Just one day they'll invent this thing. I don't know. It'll be crazy. Players layer their laundry. Go ahead, Chris. Next question. Um, speaking of transfers out, I think we are, what are the five stages of grief, Mike? Um, anger. Is that first one? Denial. Are we in the, is this the bargaining phase, I think, from KP? Denial, then anger, then bargaining, right? Okay. I think this is the, the, the bargaining, and, and I'm, Maybe maybe depression. We'll we'll make the the the, the discussion here because maybe there is an argument from KP Callahan says, "Am I wrong to not?" I'm going to so it's a long one, so I'm going to summarize a little bit here. Am I wrong to not think the world is ending ending because Prather left? Are USC, Ohio State, Georgia beating down the door? Uh, he says Prather is one of my favorite players, but if he wants to go, go. But is this? That big of a loss. I'll yes. let you go first because I, okay, good. Well, I, right now the Venus to Milo is going to catch more passes than anybody else in this roster. That's yes. not good. So you, you'll have receivers. Like, and, and again, like, sorry, Preston Fox, sorry, Joel Williams. Again, the, the guys coming in. Okay, that's fine. But like, realistically here, and I know like I've seen some stuff about Jeremiah Aaron and Cortez Bram, but like, that, that's not Caden Prather. It's not. And like, here's a guy who was a four star recruit, highly coveted. Had he played his senior year of high school, would have been, I, I think, an, a really, really celebrated recruit. He was very good as a junior. They didn't play his senior year. And I'm not sure he ends up at West Virginia. Maybe he does. I don't know. But, like, that was a get for West Virginia, like a big-time target who everybody thought his freshman year should have played more, should have, and then had his moments here. But given the situation, without a receiver of his 
renowned right now, that hurts. You got to go out and bring in people and make them play their first year. That's not good. Continuity always trumps that. You'd rather have talent and experience, I think. If you can have both, woo, that'd be terrific. Don't have either. So that's just a big deal right now. And by the way, with the quarterback who's going to need receivers, like last year, you kind of thought that the quarterback would lift up the receivers. I think this year, you would have felt a whole lot better about your quarterback if the receivers could lift him up. You can't do that now. And again, USC, Alabama, Ohio State, are they knocking on the door? No, but that means you can't say, well, this is going to happen. You're going to have good players and they're going to go to elite programs. That's not what we're talking about here. You're talking about a really good player who you could not keep on campus. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, wasn't exactly receptive to some pitches to keep him either. So it's organic. And that's the problem here. Like, is it a big deal that Caden Prey the left? No. Is it a big deal that a guy that you really were fortunate and, and maybe deserved to get, don't get me wrong there, and then had two years with him and could not get him to keep his feet on the ground, keep your feet where you're at, right? Couldn't get him to do it. And that's, again, just kind of the symptom of the problem that they've had. And it's not just West Virginia. I know that, but... Sooner or later, somebody has to solve it. And the first one that solves it is going to go further in the foot race than the other ones who right now are at the starting line and cannot get off the blocks. I don't disagree that it's not a big deal because it, it's it's more. But I would argue that it maybe is more symbolic mm-hmm. here than anything, because. He is Neil Brown made a comment and God, I can't remember what it was. It was during the season and it's on the, on the record on the air during the press conference of, you know, he knows there are teams coming after his players. He knows that, you know, kind of like the NIL stuff is, is lingering, but there was a, how did he phrase it? A core that he wanted to keep together. Prather was one of those, that core. And so when you make a point that, there are, I don't want to say a small number of players on the team, but it's kind of a small number of players on the team that you are focused on keeping and you can't keep them. That's a problem. That's a problem, especially for someone who, again, is not, you know, it's not like he's, some of these guys are leaving because they're third on the depth chart because they're in their fourth year and, you know, a, a freshman just passed them on the depth chart. Like, okay, that happens. Like, hey, good luck. It's going to happen. That's that's what the portal was made for, for specifically for guys like that. That was the original intention. Of course, it's expanded beyond that. Now you have a guy who was supposed to be wide receiver one and three of the other four starters at wide receiver are gone. So now your role is supposed to be expanding. And he's leaving. So symbolically, it's a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. I would like to read you the following game logs for the second half of the season. Four catches, 30 yards, zero touchdowns. Four catches, 29 yards, zero touchdowns. Zero catches, zero yards, zero touchdowns. Missed game. So, or six catches, 59 yards, zero touchdowns. Missed game. Two catches, 14 yards, zero touchdowns. In the second half of the season, six games, he was able to play in five. So five games. 16 catches, 132 yards, zero touchdowns. That's not a big loss. I get you there for sure. Right. Like, I mean, let's speak. I, so symbolically, huge. Potentially, like his potential, huge. Because he is, he has everything you want wide receiver. And I was ready to say, you know, I said, 
I think I was not alone. He's ready to vault to wide receiver one before that. Like he, he should be the guy they should be focused on instead of Bryce Ward Wheaton or instead of Sam James even. And you just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And again, over the entire second half of the year, we're not counting the game that he missed. He averaged three catches for 20 some yards, 26 yards, no touchdowns for the entire second half. That's not one game. It's not a couple games. That's an entire half of a season of three catches for 27 yards. Let me point you at a quote that will punctuate this conversation. This is from Brown right before the middle of the season Mm -hmm. of Prather. He says he's going to be as good as he wants to be. Does not want to reach that ceiling here. And that's, that's your issue. Like these are guys who have talent and don't want to fulfill it here. Just, can't happen. You know, you got you got to figure out ways to keep them because again, it's it's great to get players like that on campus, but when they kind of plateau or even slide at the end of a season, that's not the end of it. You got to find a way to to recharge them and and again get them to be as good as they can be here and not somewhere else. Because I promise you, that, that guy's going to end up in a place where he thinks he's going to reach the NFL, and he didn't think that was going to happen here, or he was not going to be happy here on that journey. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Ready to move on? Yeah. All right. WVU Corgi asks, uh, this is kind of a big picture question. How divided do you think our major donors and athletic supporters are? Goes on to talk about, you know, some supporters hoping for Rich Rod. How much does this division really tie the hands of President Gordon Gee? You know, I don't sense that like I was around for some ugly times before, like when Rich left, that was that was pretty divisive because the whole contract negotiation had been snarled before that. Certainly when, when they promoted Bill Stewart, that kind of that kind of upset the, the the table there. And then not when when Holgerson was hired, but when Holgerson had his issue immediately before Bill Stewart had his issue with Dana, that had some unrest here. I think right now the issue is that a lot of people want this to be better, but a lot of people want this to be better is also the issue, right? Like it's, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, but if it was so divisive, I don't think you'd have that. I think you'd have people who would just wash their hands and back away and say, Nope, not for me. Not right now. Come back later. And 
I don't I don't get that. Certainly people have their preferred outcomes and maybe even their preferred candidates. Maybe there comes a time where money talks and someone walks. Don't know. But I would argue, Chris, that can be healthy for a program, especially at a time like this. So is it divisive and divided? Yeah. Is that unusual? No. Is it as bad in the past? I don't think so. But is that unhealthy for a program? Depends if you can keep a cap on it and you figure someone who is as experienced as Gordon Gee, someone who's new and is going to have to like keep as many plates spinning as he can like Graham Baker, maybe that's not the worst thing. So I guess the, the same question back to you, Chris, but also is it healthy to have a, a fired up donor supporter base like that too? No, fired up is a good thing, but people closing up their wallets is a bad thing. And I think if you if you are so divided, because I, I I get the sense again from from our message board, from people I've talked to, and again, people go, ah, your message board, like, hey, again, there are like the message board is a microcosm of the fan base of a whole. Uh, there are the people that we're talking about being donors, they're on the message board. <laughs> I hate to tell some of you, they're there. They're posting, at least reading. Um, so yes, I'm using our message board as an example, but I feel like it's so divided that it's gotten to a point. It's one thing for you to be fired up and, you, and you're pushing towards a decision, but I think it's so divided that it's gotten to the point of, say, you know, you have all these donors and I'm going to throw out just a number. I know it's not a right number, but a hundred million bucks to spend, but 30 donors that supply 40 million, 40 million of that are like, I'm taking my wallet and going home. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. I'm out. I'm done. That's a problem. Cause again, hundred million is probably too high of a number here, but West Virginia is not pulling in Michigan money. They're not pulling in Ohio State money where, you know, no, no, those schools don't want to do it either. But if a donor who has 10 million bucks says, if I don't get my way, I'm leaving, they say, okay, see ya, goodbye. Um, if that happens in West Virginia, that's a huge problem. And so if you can't consolidate the money, if you can't consolidate the money, and this is, this is what I was like, man, Ren, they put Ren Baker behind the eight ball here. He may be the best fundraiser in the world, but they are giving him the short end of the stick because he is going to have to consolidate that money in some way. And it is going to be extremely difficult because this fan base and those donors are so divided that I think some of these people with the money are going to close their wallet and say, enough's enough. I'm done. Yeah. And Baker's got to be like the pie piper here because the frustration that I have heard from, from some people who have experienced it, but also from people who have are, are aware of it is that, the, the the money here, these air quotes in the office, was not invited to the party. Just didn't have relationships with um with lions and maybe with the administration at large. And they they would like that to change because they'd like to feel like they have influence or have the ability to influence. But if that phone doesn't ring, um, you're only gonna pick it up so many times to make the call yourself before you're like, actually, I'm good. I'll be fine. When you need something, good luck. You, you can't reach that point. So if Baker can repair those relationships and things are better too but again having people who are invested and fired up emotionally even that can be good but withdrawn from the process that's where you don't want to be and that's that's what you're saying much better than i did main ear 105 asks 
Why do we not hear more athletic directors talking about portal reform? There's no way it's not driving a significant number of college coaches and fans crazy. So, you know, um, he brings up, you know, having to go back to sitting out a year, no more waivers, uh, et cetera. Mike, I mean, is this just a case of can't put the genie back in the bottle? Yep. Can you imagine being the athletic director that says the portal must go? Again, the portal isn't the problem, everybody. Right. Immediate eligibility is the problem. Yeah. Like the portal is just, it's just like the the traffic circle. Um, it makes things easier for people to move around. And you have, I guess, what would be like just better ways or, or easier paths to communicate with coaches. They can find out who's in there. They can call you instead of having to like do four or five different back channels to figure out if you're in or not. And um, it, it just it just eases the process. But the, the fact that you could jump in and transfer once without penalty, that's the issue. So don't conflate the two issues there. So imagine, though, being the AD who gets on the pulpit and says, can't have immediate eligibility anymore. Sorry, that's my take. Your your program is going to be damaged by that because it's going to be such an unpopular phrase, or to, uh, by as viewed by media, as viewed by players, and then ultimately by opponents in recruiting. So no one's going to say that. It would take a block of athletic directors to do that, brave people to do it, perhaps a conference. I don't know, but I just I just can't see it doing it because it while, while it may make sense and there may be ways to govern it better, I just don't think these people have the constitution to do that because. I mean, it's not going to be an NCAA thing. It'll probably have to be a from within thing, which means, again, athletic directors or conferences or presidents or commissioners or whomever. But I, I just don't know how they're going to find the the voices and the votes to do that. And I think even if they found a large contingent to do it, there will be not an equally large contingent, but a significant contingent that will say that we use that as the opportunity to break away. Like, again, I think this is what we've talked about before of the, what, 20 teams, you know, 24 teams maybe just being like, all right, cool. You guys go back to putting limitations on it and we will go set up the, you know, the top league, the SEC and a few Big Ten schools and a blue blood from here and there. And and we'll go do our own thing. And because. I mean, we, we've discussed the, the thing. I think if you get rid of the immediate eligibility, that solves a good chunk of the problem. I've thrown out the idea of essentially a salary cap based on your eligibility. Um, again, quick rehash, if you are in your first year at a school, you can make, say, 100000 If you're at your second year, you can make 200, 300, 400, 500. Um, but the moment you enter the transfer portal and go to a new school, you revert back to year one. And I think, you know, it, for those that are incentivized by money, maybe that slows some things down as well and also makes things a little more even amongst the teams. But again, this isn't going to fly. Like, no one's going to step – You, no one wants to be that school. I mean, fans might want it, but if you're a coach and all of a sudden you're athletic director and your school, you're like, say, your president or whatever comes up and says, that's it, we're done. No more transfer portal. We're limiting our NIL payments to players to this, and that's that. You have instantly become uh, maybe not a pariah in the recruiting, but you're not get, you, your, your pool of players has been severely limited. Yeah, that's, that's why it's not going to work. And again, to do your own breakout conference thing, think about what it's going to take to do that. You already have the immediate eligibility. You already have the, the freedom of movement like they have right now. 
That means to break out away from that, you're going to have to put in the prohibitions to movement. How unpopular is that, right? So it's going to be people who actively withdraw from a power five setup. No one is doing that. That's how unlikely this is. We're coming down to our last, what, nine minutes here. Um, let's end it because with this one, because it's asked by a few different people. Um, so I'm going to generalize these questions into one. Where West Virginia is sitting right now with players who have left the team, players still available in the portal, what you already have on the team, and the coaching staff you have, what is the plan moving forward to make 2023 successful so mike give me like a three-step plan of like some positions you need to hit in the portal what changes you may or may not need to make to either staff or scheme and then what expectations again we keep talking about and i know ren baker kind of chose not to um setting expectations concrete ish expectations for next year can you give me those three things yeah backwards to forwards i don't care they have to reach a bowl game otherwise they're not going to come back I just don't know how that's that may not be written or spoken, but I don't know how that's not. They can't go five and seven and expect to run it back again next year. Um, so the expectation is you need to have at least a 500 regular season. I would think. Can they do that? We'll see. Schedule should be out soon. You'll have a good look at where they're playing, who they're playing, who they're not playing, where they're not playing. So that might be helpful. But it just it's unreasonable not to get to a bowl game if you're a power five program how many times in five seasons that would be a tough pill to swallow then i would try to figure out before i went to staffing and the portal what i'm gonna do and i look at a team that has let's just say that has taken a step back at quarterback in that you went from jared daigie to jt daniels but then jt daniels kind of regressed on his own a little bit so this did not get the full trajectory so now you're you're back a little bit with garrett green and Nico Marchio, who who may be fine ultimately, but I think it's fair to say that at the beginning of their upcoming seasons here, it's not going to be ahead of game one, game two, first third of the season, JT Daniels. You also don't have pass catchers. And again, nothing against Bram and Aaron and Williams and Fox and whomever else they might bring in, Gallagher, Ray, Williams, um, not Williams, uh, Caldwell. Caldwell, yeah. So it's just hard to expect that to click right away in an air raid style. You have a good offensive line. You have good running backs. Man, do, do you make this like, I'm not saying an I formation or a pro style offense, but and I'm not saying like go the full Iowa or the full Wisconsin here, but are you just running the ball a lot more than you're throwing it? Are you using physicality? Are you using a running quarterback, mobile quarterbacks? Do you find a way just to run the ball uniquely? Because that appears to be your strength and it goes away from what right now is not your strength, which would be, passing game the trouble is that's not fun that's not explosive that's not a prolific way to move the ball in a conference that has a lot of really good offenses coming back that could be tough but if you look at for example what kansas state did or what tcu did those are really physical and productive rushing offenses that scored a lot of points some quarterback run an array of running backs and creative concepts so what then do you do this is not sexy um you really have to prioritize that tight end spot in the portal and get guys who can move people and be a uh, sixth or seventh offensive lineman for you and create an extra gap for zone plays or stretch plays or also power plays and just someone sweeping back. That would be the way I might lean here is just looking at what you have and what you can get. I think if you're West Virginia, you're far more likely to get somebody who can 
fit that plan I'm talking about as a tight end, maybe with a fullback, than saying, we're actually, we're going to keep aerating it. We're going to go out. We're going to get guys at receiver because I just don't know if that's as likely right now. And then you pair that with a defense that, you know, you find a way to cover up a little bit better on the back end and you just hope your pass rush can can be better. Um, but you're using your offense to help your defense and run it, wear defenses out, control the ball, be efficient on offense, don't turn it over, and and just hope that your coaching on defense does it. Now, that is going to require some creativity in your offensive staff, but you really probably have to look at your defensive staff. Are you going to be as attacking on the front as you were last year and have this plan work? Probably not. You're probably going to be more aggressive on defense. So I don't know if it's people who coach it or how you coach it, but you're going to have to find ways to be, I think, more aggressive up front and then just better in the secondary. So you're going to have to actually hit the portal and get the right corners and safeties in there, people who can cover the field, and then have a scheme. Like, listen, are you going to be a team that just plays off soft zone because that's what you're least worried about? Do you play man? I don't know, but do something, develop it, and believe in it, and not just do a thing because your players – might not be able to do something. You're going to have to find something you can really invest in and believe in on defense. But to me, it starts on offense and and trying to color in um, the picture there. All right, so I'll go the same path, same order as you. First, I think minimum is eight wins. I, I if you're going six eight. and six again, yeah. I mean, I think I, the bar is going to be set high. It's okay. it's year five minus three minus one times zero, making it year zero version 5.0 okay but it, it, six and six can't cut it again like because the only reasons that you're six and six again are reasons that are no longer anybody else's fault um i know i keep saying that you know as far as rosters go year four year five year five this is it's everybody that is on this roster or not on this roster is because of the current coaching staff um so Eight, I think, is a minimum here. Uh, or like may- maybe you're convincing me because of the tough schedule, like seven and five, and then you win your bowl game or something. But are you making it to a bowl game if you go seven and five? I'm not certain of that, um, especially, again, with a new athletic director. Because, again, this team is going to be a little more veteran-laden in 2023, assuming there's not too many more departures. But, again, there's, there's a lot of guys coming back on this team. So if you're saying there's no, hey, we went six and six, but we got a team full of freshmen and sophomores. I don't know if that's the pitch again. Mm-hmm. Um, second scheme, I, I think this whole Rich Rod thing was not so much that you wanted, that the, the fans wanted the coach as much as they wanted the scheme and the offense. I think that's all the people really cared about. They didn't really want Rich Rod back. They wanted that offense. And, and it seems like the pieces to kind of run that offense. Now, none of the guys on the roster right now are Pat White. <laughs> Nobody is. But you have a run first option kind of, read option kind of spread quarterback that can move. You have multiple running back options. And you have some receivers who can catch the short passes that you, you don't have to rely on your receivers to be these amazing deep threats that win one-on-one balls all the time. Um, so I think you can go that way. Defensively, with you find a scheme, go with it. Be aggressive. Screw it. Like I mean, if you're going to sit in a soft zone and give up 300 yards, what's the point? Uh, at least be aggressive about it. Pick off one pass, but still give up 300. Fine. Um, Personnel-wise, I bladed out uh, yeah earlier this week. Wide receivers, you need it. 
Uh, Cephas from Kent State, big, has been an alpha receiver before, 80-some catches. He's had success against FBS opponents. Um, and then the kid from Austin P. McRae, I know that's not exciting, but he is a shifty kind of slot re receiver who has had success against top power five opponents. He, he had a great game against Alabama, a great game against Ole Miss. He has done it against those teams and be realistic about it, about who West Virginia can get out of the portal. He's one of those guys. Uh, secondary, you got to go corners. And, and again, I'd go, I listed two guys who have some flaws and have that feast or famine mentality. Screw it, man. Build onto it. Build on depth on depth and or, or strength on strength and just go for that feast or famine mentality. Try to get the picks, play hard. Um, but yeah, cornerback, wide receiver. And a Brinks truck. <laughs> and a Brinks truck, yes. That would help. Well, out of time, out of questions, not out of emotions and frustrations, as Chris said. We'll wrap this up in different formats in the future coming up here. But if I know nothing else, I know that we're probably going to have more to talk about in the days and weeks that follow here. Promise basketball? Didn't get any basketball. We'll try to do better next time. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 